Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. We want you to know who you are and what you have in Christ. Don't keep this life-changing truths to yourself. Spread the word and share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. Listen and be blessed. Practical healing lessons. Uh, practical healing lessons. Practical healing lessons. And the first healing lesson we want to pick um, is the experience of Brother Paul, um, which is described as the thorn in Paul's flesh. What is the thorn in Paul's flesh? Can you read it for us quickly, honey, from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, 7 to 10? Second Corinthians chapter 12, 7-10. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I want to just bring quite uh, just two points from this. Number one thing you've got to know from this point is that the thorn in Paul's flesh was a messenger of Satan. In, the, in, the, in that text itself, it tells you what, whose messenger it is. It is a demonic onslaught from the pit of hell against Paul. Paul's ministry suffered a lot. Actually, right from the Dam uh, on Damascus Road, when he encountered God, God told him he's going to suffer much. His, well, his was a, a, a serious ministry of suffering, a man of tremendous revelation, but a lot of suffering, a lot of suffering. Um, and if you look at that passage, he said, God said to him, my grace is sufficient. Don't let me preach ahead of myself. Let me, let me bring just two points out of it. It is the messenger of Satan. The devil is whom the Bible refers to as the tempter. The Bible says in the book of James chapter number one from verses 12 to 15, where don't let anyone say when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. God is not a tempter. And God doesn't use temptations and problems to teach you lessons. The primary ways he, has, he wants us to learn is to go to his words. There are principles in God's word we are to learn from. But when we don't learn the lesson we need to learn, well, the pains of life will give us lessons. So the bottom line, this tempter 
this obstruction, this problem that Paul had was not from God. God is not a tempter. God was not the one who entered into Judas to tempt Jesus. He was not. The devil is the tempter. The temptation of Christ, as you saw in the book of Matthew 4, was by the devil. I don't know from this passage where people reach the conclusion that the thorn, and when somebody says thorn in my flesh, it is talking about pains, the persecutions, the difficulties of life and challenges of ministry that this man faced. It had nothing to do. It, it didn't say that Paul had sickness in his body. There are all manner of excuses that to, to indicate that Paul was a sickly man. Paul wasn't a sickly man. There was nowhere categorically that we can find. I've searched everywhere. I cannot see where Paul was in a sickness. Number two thing I want you to know about this story, about the thorn in Paul's flesh, is that God gave Paul, God told him, my grace, which you have, is sufficient. Let me tell you this about the grace of God. Grace of God is the power of God, is the, is the, is the anointing, is the ability, is the protection, is the power. Everything of God that, is, that he has given to you. God said to Paul, my grace, is for, is, my grace is sufficient for you. Bottom line from that line is saying the grace I have given you, put it to work. Put it to work. First uh, um, Corinthians chapter number ten, verse number thirteen says, "There is no temptation that that comes the way of a man that is bigger than he can handle." But with every temptation, God has made a way for you to escape from it. Paul said, "Well, I'd rather glory in my infirmity, well, um, that when I am weak, then I am strong." Paul chose it that way. He said, I went to God three times, and God kept going back to him. It's like, it's like somebody, I, I, I mean, uh, this is a pen in my hand, and you come to me, and I say, you have, you, I mean, uh, and I gave you a pen. You have the pen in your hand. And you came back to me and said, I need something to write. And I said to you, I already gave you a pen. You came back again to me, I said, I already gave you a pen. You came the third time, I said, I already gave you a pen. God is saying, my grace is sufficient for you to handle it. Now, I don't, I don't know. There is nothing we face that makes God unprepared. And that's the attitude we ought to have. I mean, I already showed you from 2 Peter chapter 1, verse, um, verse 3. God has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Ephesians 1, 3, God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So everything you need to stand, to thrive in life, God has given you. And he told Paul, I have given you. For me, God is saying, go and use what I've given you. You have what it takes to resist sickness. You have what it takes to resist infirmity. You have what it takes to come out of sickness. Now, do not listen to those who are looking for all manner of excuses to keep you in perpetual punery. You remember the story uh, <clears throat> when, when the, the, the prophet said, 
there shall be surplus in the land. There had been famine. People had been even eating their children for food. And the, the, the man of God said, tomorrow there shall be surplus. How will this thing be? They didn't know. But hear what four lepers out of the city said. If we go inside the city, we will die. There is no food there. If we stay here, there, we will die here. Hey, let's just take an action. And when the lepers stepped out, they found they got to the camp of the Syrians. They had left their, their food. They had left their gold. They had left their clothing. And they, they just were packing and packing. And like the man prophesied, tomorrow there will be surplus. There was surplus tomorrow because somebody stopped uh, uh, being content with where he is. The whole essence of, of this is to get you to be angry with sickness. For as long as you are willing to accommodate it, you, you will, for as long as you are not ready to resist it, it will remain. I'm challenging you, rather, for me, I'd rather die fighting. That should be your attitude. But for as long as oh, you are willing to say, okay, maybe, maybe, then I'm sorry. There's nothing anybody can help do to help you. It's up to you. You have what it takes to fight. You have what it takes to come out of sickness. You have what it takes to come out of infirmities. And I'm agreeing with you, enough is enough. The other second, um, we're looking at practical, practical issues. The second practical issue we want to look at is why could the disciples of Jesus, why could they not cast out, why could they not heal the boy, the epileptic boy? Why could they not? It's a story again. Uh, and why was Jesus' reaction at their failure so sharp? This is another story I want us to look at because these are healing issues and we want to learn salient principles from these stories because when God gives us certain things, it is not just there for show. So honey, please get ready, get ready, read it fast for us from the book of Matthew 17 from 14 to 21. Let's go. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithful and perverse generation. Faithless. O, faith, o faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Okay. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Good. 
So I, I just want to pick four quick, quick um, lessons. Again, please send in your questions, send in your prayer requests. Go ahead and share these. I want to give you four, just bring out four salient uh, uh, lessons we want to uh, learn from these very cru crucial story. Number one, Jesus did not conceal his disappointment with his disciples. He was very disappointed with them. Why was he disappointed? He expected them to be able to deliver, and he hates that people will remain in pain or suffer for, for these things, and particularly and referring to it under the old covenant, but for you in the new, where he has actually now suffered for it. For two reasons, he was angry with his disciples. He expected them to deliver. And every time we fail to deliver, it angers the king. It angers our master. He was upset. He called them faithless and perverse generation. Why? What, these are strong words. What does it mean to be faithless? To be faithless is to be unbelieving. To be faithless is... It's just to be without faith. I mean, to be outside of faith, to be an unbeliever. It's to be faithless, to be untrusting, to, 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 to just be doing things with nonchalance. And then he calls them perverse. That's another very strong word. To be perverse is even stronger. Very, very strong. It's referring to them as in very, 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 I mean, I'm trying to, to remember the word that I have. Um, they were warped. They were warped. Warped. Just, um, sorry? Yeah. Warped and wayward. That's how bad he saw them. Every time we are not acting in faith, every time we are not focused, God sees us as warped, unbelieving, and, and reckless. He hates it. Why? Because he has expectations of us. And number two, because he doesn't want the effect of pains and sickness to persist. This is why uh, you've got to face sickness and, uh, and infirmity with a sense of urgency and with a sense of anger. Number two thing I want you to see here is that Jesus said, okay, I already mingled two things. The first one was Jesus, uh, Jesus did not conceal his hatred for what they had done. And the second thing is that Jesus called them faithless and he called them perverse. Now, I want us to look at the issue of faithless. Another word for faithless is simply unbelief. What, let's, let me give you three types of unbeliefs, three types of unbelief. I mean, ignorance is one, and one of the purposes of this set is to eliminate ignorance. The set, I mean, so... If you are ignorant, then you learn. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that need not be ashamed. 
We need to study. We need to get into the word. There is no substitute for knowledge. I'm talking even about knowledge. I'm talking about this is a this is, these are changing times. My friend, my sister, my brother, I don't care what, I don't know what type of job you do, but I'm here to let you know that with this pandemic and with the economic situation that follows it, everything is changing so fast. You need to adjust, adjust. The key word is adjust. Adjust yourself to your industry. Ignorance, ignorance in any industry will render you useless, absolute, and unpaid. That's, first, that's the first thing I want you to know there. Ignorance is one major reason for unbelieving. And therefore, we, we must learn. Study, 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 study. If we will spend half of the time many of us spend on social media and on television to learn a little, we can change our entire life. Number two thing is wrong belief systems. People have taught people uh, healing is gone, that is gone. Well, this is more difficult than ignorance. If somebody is outrightly ignorant, you see, what happens is that it's like a plain whiteboard. At least you can lamp, write something new on it. But if some things have been written on the whiteboard, meaning some people, they have learned the wrong thing, you first have to unlearn what you have learned by cleaning that board and now learning what is correct. I'm trusting that what you learn in this, on this set, you will go back and clean all the garbage that people have taught you. You must see a Moses. You must see an Elijah. You must beg God. You must fast and fast and fast. These things are not the keys. The key is faith. Faith in God. Number three kind of unbelief is what is referred to as the natural unbelief. For instance, when you lay hand on someone and the person falls on the ground, looking technically lifeless, you might be carried away by all the display of emotions. <laughs> Those are the ways the devil manifests all kinds of things. You need to talk to minister to the person and not be carried away with those emotional uh, uh, displays. Again, yesterday I think I was talking about emotions. Emotional displays stand in the way of spiritual things. Do not, God is not moved by your tears. He's moved by his principles. He runs the world, world by principles, by laws. He holds together the world together according to Hebrew 1.3 by the word of his power. So please do get let's get emotions out of the way. Let's get being moved by sight out of the way. Let's learn the principle of God and we will get the result of God. Number three thing. I told you I want to show you four things. Number three things I want you to see from this passage is that Jesus rebuked the demon and the child was killed. There are diseases that you cannot deal with 
unless you confront the demonic force because they are the ones who are in charge and in control. And that's why in Matthew 10, 8, God said to us, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, uh, I mean, uh, um, uh, raise the dead, and cast out demons. When you have prayed and you don't get the result, perhaps a demon is already there. Cast it out. Command it to go. You, the Bible says in Mark 16, you will expel demons. Luke 10, 19, you will tread upon serpent and upon scorpion and over every walk of the enemy and nothing shall harm you. Cast the demons out in the name of Jesus and they will go. They will go. Number four, I told you I'll just bring four things out of it. Jesus said they couldn't cast this demon out. I mean, they couldn't heal this boy because of their own belief and that this thought does not go out but by prayer and fasting. What kind? What kind does not go out? The kind that doesn't go out is the kind of problem that, uh, that was in the way of the disciples from doing what they needed to do. What did Jesus say was the problem? What did Jesus say was the reason they couldn't do it? Their unbelief. What therefore do they need prayer and fasting for? They need prayer and fasting to deal with unbelief. Unbelief, believers, we do not fast to twist the hand of God. Let that be clear. We do not fast to twist the hand of God. A lot of people, as soon as something happens, they want to fast to, 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 to twist the hand of God. And when you have done three days, as not enough, you do seven days, you do 15 days, you do 30 days. As if you can manipulate God with your fasting. You cannot. Your fasting cannot manipulate God. God does what he does based on principles. Why do we fast? We fast to deal with our flesh. We fast to, to, to tune ourselves to what our spirit is saying, to get our, uh, our feelings out of the way. We don't fast to receive power. Your fasting doesn't make you any more powerful. No. The Bible says in, in the book of First, First John, chapter number 2, verse number 27, it says the anointing which you have received from the Holy One. You see, the anointing in you, you need to, to believe that you have it based on what God says because he does not lie. You have the anointing to deal with the situation that you are, you have, you, you are confronting. You need to know in Acts 1.8, you have received power. The same power that you received. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, Jesus went about doing good, healing all with the same Holy Ghost that you have in Acts 1.8. So if you are born again and you've not been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you are now operating in the fullness of your capacity. You better let's, let's help you quickly. Praise the Lord. So fasting is necessary. 
It's, it's, it's to tune us. It's to make us more razor sharp. It is to deal with ourselves. It is to bring our flesh to subjection. It is not, it doesn't change God. There are many things you cannot do unless you are fasting because your flesh gets in the way. This is what Jesus was saying. This thought that you are dealing, this sort of unbelief that you are dealing with that makes you unable to do what you needed to do does not go but by prayer and, but by prayer and fasting. I hope you learned something different today. Somebody is sick and you begin to fast. It better be to deal with your flesh. Because your fasting won't twist the arm of God and make him well. You better get the healing scriptures that we'll be releasing on Friday and begin to, to declare it and begin to stand on the grace of God through faith. Okay, now this is my favorite story. and We have five lessons from it. Peter uh, made the lame to walk at the beautiful gate. So we want to run through it. Let your questions start streaming in. Let your prayer requests start coming in. That's where I can visit you where you are. Go ahead, honey, read from verses 1 through to 10. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the night hour. <clears throat> and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful to ask arms from those who enter the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for arms. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. Look at us. He, he, watch it, because that's one of the points I'm going to make. He didn't say, look at Jesus. Huh. Go on. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Did you notice he said what I have, what I do have? Unless you begin to have a mindset that you have him, you won't see results. Go on. You see, oh, hold on, honey, because many of us, would, uh, it's up to God. No, God is in you. And you've got to declare what I have. What I have. Go on, honey. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them. Did you notice something there? That he lifted him up. Faith without work is dead. We already dealt with that yesterday. But Peter believed so much and he pulled that guy up. Unless you act on your faith, you have been prayed for, you go back and you keep sleeping. You have been prayed for, you have, you have declared God's word and you are not acting and mixing faith with your, uh, uh, with your prayer. You are just wasting your time. You have to act on what you already prayed upon. Go on, honey. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, 
walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Every time we do, you see the hand of God at work. There is marvel. There are people marvel. You do things that glorify God. You see, just talking, just talking and just eloquence without the display of the power of God is an insult on the Holy Spirit. We have become so much, uh, uh, so, 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 so mundane, so uh, conditioned to just talking and discussing. No, unless you begin to put these things that you are learning to work, you will not see them work. The first thing you want to see in this story is that they were going to the, to the temple to pray at the hour of prayer, at about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. But before they had entered the temple or the church to pray was when they had this encounter. In other words, using the common word that people use today, when you want to do something, let me pray up, go and fast, pray for, and then you, you speak and pray and pray and pray. <laughs> now I'm charged. You must, as a believer, Know that you are charged 24-7. You must live conscious that you carry God. You must live because you do not know when the opportunity will present itself. Had Peter not been ever ready, and that's, that's your word. You must, the Boy Scouts' word is uh, uh, ever ready. I want you to be ever ready. You don't know when the opportunity will present itself. You could just be taking a stroll around the corner of your house. You see somebody limping. Can I, can, can I pray for you? You don't know the, when the opportunity will present itself. They had not gotten into church to pray. And the opportunity presented itself. You must be ever ready. You must be ever ready. Some of the most astounding testimonies I have seen in my own, they are the things that came when I'm least expecting just came in abruptly. But I've learned to, to know that I carry someone in me. Just, I just release what's in me. The second lesson I want you to see there is that Peter said, look at us. Look at us. This is the biggest, one of the biggest problems today. We don't want to say, look at me. I am the one sent on this assignment. It is easy for you to say, ah, it's up to God. If God wants it, if this one, we don't want to take responsibility. Because why? You know, our personal reputation, our personal ego, uh, what will people think if you fail? That, it's... You, Failure is part of success. If you don't learn to fail, you will never succeed. You need to come out of the box, do what you've never done before, to experience and to see what you have never seen before. If you keep doing it the way you are doing it now, you will not get a new result. Peter said, look at us, meaning if this thing fails, we are the ones that fail. And let me tell you, the reason why people are not being healed today is because you all of us were failing. 
You know, it is easier, you know what, to kneel down somewhere and begin to pray, God, God. And so if that person dies, we say, if God wanted it, God will have done it. We prayed after all, we fasted. In fact, a lot of people prayed and fasted. We don't want to take responsibility. I remember conducting a, a funeral not too long ago, and I said, listen, this guy is on this, in this casket. He is in this casket because all of us failed. People are content to say, oh, it is God that let him. No! It's what you permit or not that's permitted in heaven. Until you take that position, you will continue to make excuses. That's the second thing I want you to see there. The number three thing I want you to see <clears throat> is that If, is that we've got the power of God, the Holy Spirit, right inside us. He said, what we have, what we have, what we have, we give, I give unto you what we have. We have it. Until you begin to acknowledge what is yours. Philemon chapter 1 verse number 6. Until you begin to acknowledge the things that are yours in the Holy Spirit, you will not see it manifest. I boldly declare, I have this pen. I have this notebook. If, the Holy, if God says you have the Holy Spirit, why will you say you don't have him? Paul, Peter said, what we have, I, what I have, I give to you. You are looking for dimes and cents. That ain't what you need. What I have is what you need. I give to you. You must be in a position. You must say it. I've got the anointing. I've got the, I've got the faith. I've got the word of God in my mouth. You've got to speak. You've got to speak. He not only admitted, look at me. Or look at us. He said, what I have. Again, the owners rest upon you. Don't be dodgy when it comes to, to healing. You've got to take sound, solid responsibility. You have the anointing. I already showed you. You already have the anointing. If you think you don't have the anointing, then you are not in Christ. You better get born again. Romans chapter 8, verse number 9. If you, have the, if you do not have the spirit of Christ, you are not his own. You are not his own. You are not his own. If you do not have the spirit, you are not his own. The Holy Spirit is who distinguishes you. You have power. Ephesians 1.13, that Holy Spirit is the one who came to seal you permanently. And in, in Hebrews 13.5, he says, I will never leave you. You need to live in this consciousness. And by the way, let's go to 2 um, um, John chapter 1, verse number 20 to 27. Uh, chapter 227, 1 John 227, 1 John 227, 1 John 227, 1 John 227. But the anointing, which is, the, at least since we are talking about the healing, where it is the anointing, the power to heal, to do extraordinary miracles, which you have received, you are not about to receive it, it's already in you. God says the anointing which you have already received from 
received from him, that is from God, abides in you. It abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teaches you. But bottom line, you've got him. This is what Peter was saying. Look at us. What we have, we give. You've got to always approach healing from the perspective that you have what it takes to handle it. The Bible says God will not allow you to face what you cannot handle. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 13. He will not give you more than you can handle. If it ever came your way, you have what it takes to deal with it. Stop allowing any excuses. Stop making room for any nonsense. Stand in power. Stand in grace. Stand in, in, in faith. Greater is he, First John 4.24. Greater is he that is in you. He's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than whatever. Another point I want you to make from this is that do you notice that Peter did not pray? Peter issued a command. Friend, stop praying. Stop praying for healing. Stop praying for healing. Stop praying to be healed. Command the sickness to go. Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. That's a command. He used the spiritual authority he had. He used the spiritual authority he had. Oh, where do you have the spiritual authority? Matthew chapter number 10, verse number 8. Matthew chapter number 10, verse number 8. It says, you go ahead and heal the sick. There is nowhere you will see all the healing in the, in the gospel, all the healings in the Bible, there was nowhere where they were praying to be healed. Nowhere. They used their authority. I don't know where we just turn things upside down and we have traditionalized it. Mark, 6, Mark 7, 13. Your tradition has made the word of God of no effect. Traditions are not helping. Let's get, let's issue command. Command infirmities to go. Stand there, resist him. And number five, Peter, I mean, upon issuing that command, he believed it would work so much, he lifted the man up. Faith without work is dead. If you're not acting, I'm not going to preach on this because I mentioned this yesterday. If you're not going to act on what you have prayed, what's the use? You don't believe in your own prayer yourself. And of course, uh, let me just add the sixth one. Peter said, why are you looking at us in verse 16? It, in the book of Acts 3.16, it is the power in the name of Jesus that you guys rejected and killed that healed this man. If you are a believer, you came to Christ because you believe in the name of Jesus Christ. He's the one who has been given a name above all names. He says, you can ask anything in my name and his father will do it because it gives him glory. The name of Jesus is higher than anything you can face, anything. Use that name. That's why I love that song, that wonderful name, Jesus. Oh, yes. They, you see, in the schools, they would rather have you talk about God. 
Are you in the public? People would rather let you talk about God because there are all kinds of gods. But if there is any name that triggers an offense anywhere, even in many churches, is the name of Jesus. Because when that name is mentioned, Hayagaralabu, that name is higher than anything that can face you. And by the authority in the name of Jesus, I speak against every infirmity in your body. I release the power in that name into your life, into your marriage, into your health, into your finances, into every area of your life, from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ. Healing is your kingdom right. Take it. Scripture says since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffers violence. But the violent takes it by force. I charge you. Go ahead and take what belongs to you. Remember this. Deuteronomy 34 verse number 7. Deuteronomy 34 verse number 7. At the age of 120 years, Moses was still strong enough to climb mountains. Some of you, you are not even, you are virtually only a little past 20 years. You can't climb stairways. A man of 120 years. You better believe you are going to live for 120 years. Genesis 6-3. God says you are going to live for 120 years. Believe the word of God. It's not your pastor who is saying it. If you have problem, you have problem with what God says. But this word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. This word is set to. He says, I will watch over my word to perform it. Believe the word of God. It is medicine for all your flesh. God bless you. Father, thank you for this sharing tonight. We give you praise, and I thank you. Because these people are being built up. These people are getting angry against what they have tolerated in, the devil to do in their life. They are taking their stand and the, the gate of hell will not prevail concerning your life. In Jesus' name.